It's audio overload on Soundbite Tuesday, including Dementia Joe's disastrous interview on 60 Minutes and the latest on President Trump's legal fight with the feds over the Mar-a-Lago raid. You're not going to believe this. The first ever pharmaceutical ad aimed at elementary school children with myocarditis. It's all in this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 242 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. Now, just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that will live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you would like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com click on the button that says become a patron also please remember to subscribe on our podcast subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and of course patronize our advertisers because they make this whole thing possible coming up uh, wednesday wednesday the 21st former chief of staff secretary of defense former member of the National Security Council for President Trump and the man who helped Congressman Devin Nunes find out all about Crossfire Hurricane and the Russian collusion hoax, Cash Patel, is scheduled to be on my show live at 11 a.m. Central on Wednesday and every time. He goes on War Room with Steve Bannon. Every time he goes on Newsmax, every time he goes on Fox News, wherever he goes, He's always breaking news, always dropping bombshells. So it's a great honor, and I really appreciate my producer, Brian Coolis for lining up this interview. Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central, Cash Patel. I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, it is audio overload on Soundbite Tuesday, and man, do I have a lot for you today. First of all, before... Dementia Joe did his disastrous 60 Minutes interview just a few days ago. He got, he got the timing a little bit off on how long he was actually in the Senate. Did, did you hear this? I say to some of my colleagues who have been around a long, how long we've been fighting for him? How long we've been taking on these interests? From the time I got to the Senate 720 years ago. <laughs> I'm serious. Think about it. Okay, so they're laughing because obviously saying he came to the Senate 720 years ago has to be a joke, and then he noticed they're laughing. He says, I'm serious. Think about it. Okay, homeboy is gone. He is gone. From the time I got into the Senate 720 years ago, 
laughter. I'm serious. He's gone with no forwarding address. All right, the other day, Rand Paul was questioning Dr. Fauci under oath. And Fauci was appearing by Zoom. And Rand Paul started by playing a clip from Fauci from, I think it was either 04 or 05 from C-SPAN. Have you heard this clip before? Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she, if, she re- if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. If she really has the flu. She should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it's, the be- it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. You hear that? Have you heard that before? Okay, first of all, COVID is a flu. Second of all, this has been accepted medical science for many, many years. If you already had it, you don't need to be vaccinated for it. And guess what? Our government and our whole medical community flushed down the toilet exactly that. So people were being fired who'd already had COVID for refusing the vax, and there you got Fauci saying you don't need the vax until, you know, Pfizer, Moderna, maybe some others pumped a lot of money in, right? Remember that? And, and, and Fauci told Rand Paul, we don't have to tell you if anybody's paying us. You remember that? So that was basic immunology. If you've already had it, you don't need to be vaccinated for it. So coming out of that, Rand Paul goes right at Fauci, kind of like this. This is an ongoing question, and, you know, we've had ever-evolving opinions from you, Dr. Fauci. Currently, antibody surveys show that uh, 80% of children, approximately 80% of children, have had COVID, and yet there are no guidelines coming from you or anybody in the government to take into account their naturally acquired immunity. You seem quite certain of yourself in 2004, but in 2022, there's a lot less certainty. One of the things that we also know after looking at this for two to three years uh, is that the mortality uh, from COVID is very similar, if not less, than, than influenza. So when we look at this, we wonder, you know, why you seem to really embrace basic immunology back in 2004 and how you or why you seem to reject it now. Good question. And if you think Fauci's got a good answer, you don't know Fauci. Because all he can do is dissemble. Well, I don't uh, reject basic immunology, Senator. And I have never denied that there is importance of the protection following infection. However, as we have said many times, and as has been validated by the authorization of the by the FDA through their committee and the recommendation by the CDC through their committee, that a vaccination following infection gives an added extra boost. And that film that you showed is really taken out of context. I believe that was when someone called in who had had a reaction to a vaccine and asked me through a telephone 
in the interview if they should get vaccinated again. So it was in the context of someone who had a reaction. And as a matter of fact, Reuters fact check looked at that and said, Fauci's 2004 comments do not contradict his pandemic shame. Well, I mean, how much is Reuters getting paid off? That is being taken out of context. What a liar this guy is. Rand Paul pushes back. Something like this. Actually, words don't lie. If you look at the words behind me, we can go over them a little bit at a time. She doesn't need it because the most potent vaccination right. is getting infected yourself. You hear that? Actually, she doesn't need it because the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. So what, Fauci's going to agree? It is true. It is true, Senator. It is a very potent way to protect. So then why did you and the whole medical community ignore that, right? Rand Paul rips him here. When you're trying to tell us that kids need a third or a fourth vaccine, are you including the variability or the variable of previous infection in the studies? No, you're not. Because when you have approved vaccines in recent times and the committees that have approved it for children don't report anything on hospitalization or death or transmission. They only report that if you give them the jab, they'll make antibodies. And you can give kids hundreds of jabs and they'll make antibodies every time but that does not prove efficacy so what you're doing is denying the very fundamental premise of immunology that previous infection does provide some sort of immunity it's not in any of your studies almost none of your studies from the cdc or from the government have the variable of whether or not you've been previously infected so let's look at adults by the way just in case you're not quite sure what's happening here um uh, Rand Paul is hand, handing handing it to him. I'm trying to be polite. I've had three infections. Should I get a fourth one? If you're going to measure whether I get a fourth one, you need a, a, a category that has a fourth one in it, and you need one that has nothing in it, no vaccine or the fourth vaccine. But you also need to know whether they've been infected. If you ignore whether they've been infected, you're ignoring a vaccine, basically. So you're ignoring a variable. So what you're giving us is this, the, you decry, and people decry vaccine hesitancy. It's coming from the gobbledygook that you give us. You're not paying attention right. to the science. The very basic science is that previous infection provides a level of immunity if you ignore that in your studies if you don't present that in your committees you're not being truthful or honest with us that's it and he's not he's absolutely positively not being truthful Fauci tries to push back but it doesn't go too well senator if I might respond I have never ever denied fundamental immunology in fact I wrote the chapter in the textbook of medicine is it any on the, fundamental any, any of the immunology. Any of the guidelines for vaccines? You know, do any of the guidelines for vaccines from the government include previous infection as something to base your decision-making on with vaccines? Do uh, any of the guidelines involve previous infection? That's why you're ignoring previous infection, because it doesn't involve any of the guidelines. And furthermore, we've been asking you, and you refuse to answer whether anybody on the vaccine committees 
gets royalties from the pharmaceutical companies. I asked you last time, and what was your response? We don't have to tell you. Right. We've demanded them through Freedom of Information Act, and what have you said? We're not going to tell you. But I tell you this, when we get in charge, we're going to change the rules, and you will have to divulge where you get your royalties from, from what companies, and if anybody on the committee has a conflict of interest, we're going to learn about it. I promise you that. Wow. Now, I need to explain something. For everybody saying, what difference is is it going to make? Why don't you do something? Um, a, A senator can't prosecute anybody, you know? They can make a criminal referral to the DOJ, but this DOJ is not going to do a thing about it, right? I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, I mean... As long as we're talking about this, I, I think it would only behoove us to play a little bit more, a few more things, a few more clips about the Wu flu, the China virus, if you will. Dementia Joe. On 60 Minutes, walking through the Detroit Auto Show with Scott Pelley. Mr. President, first Detroit Auto Show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing, and I think this is a perfect example of it. So there's no excuse then for any kind of mandates. There's no excuse for a pause on paying back your student loans because that was all based on the pandemic. But his administration is still suing, trying to enforce vaccine mandates, trying to enforce mask mandates. So what does that tell you? So Thomas Massey, Wonderful U.S. representative from the same state that Rand Paul is from. That's right. Same state, Kentucky. Thomas Massey goes on Tucker Carlson's show Monday evening, the 19th, and uh, Tucker asked him, he said, what do you make of Biden's interview on COVID and Massey's response. Look, we've been living under a form of martial law for about two and a half years now. All of the powers that the president has claimed to himself that emanated or were predicated on the, the uh, COVID virus, those need to go away today. When I saw him say that yesterday, I suggested that the public health emergencies should go away, that all the governors yeah. that have these executive powers, that should go away. The vaccine mandates need to go away if the pandemic is over. And finally, one of the most onerous things, the PrEP Act. 
This, this basically is what I call medical malpractice martial law. It supersedes all state law, all federal law, and it says unless somebody intent with intent kills you, you know, with one of their uh, PCR tests or with the uh, treatment or with a vaccine, you have no legal recourse unless they meant to hurt you. It's ridiculous, and this needs to go away. We've even seen hundreds of billions of dollars of student loans. Joe Biden claims he has the power to just you know reassign that debt to taxpayers because of COVID. Well, if he thinks the pandemic's over, then take away all those powers, repeal them, end it now. Okay, so Tucker responds, so just to be totally clear about what you just said, about current federal law, if my child was required to get a COVID shot in order to go to college, as almost all college students were, and then develop severe heart problems, as so many young people have, from these vaccines, we can't sue the college for requiring that? Congressman Massey responds, no, you can't sue the college or the person that gave you the shot or the pharmaceutical company that made the shot. In fact, I have a constituent. She went to get a test at a hospital. They stuck the swab so far up in her nose, they punctured the membrane that holds in the fluid that surrounds your brain. Required surgery to fix. It leaked into her throat, and she went to sue the people that stuck that swab up in her nose. They said, nope, PrEP Act. So it doesn't just cover vaccines. It covers everything. It covers the treatments, the vaccines, and the tests, and anybody giving them. I have a mom who took her two kids to get a flu shot um, last year. They accidentally gave them the adult dose of the COVID vaccine. Again, Ugh. they say, oh, PrEP Act, you can't sue us. By the way, uh, you, you know, you gave me credit for being honest. I'm going to have a, a yeah, I'm going to commit candor here on TV, which is a crime, a crime in D.C. This actually started under President Trump. The PrEP yeah. Act was a declaration by his health and human services secretary. Okay. So Tucker comes back and says, well, that's awful. He says, and people should have a legal recourse when they're injured. Call me a liberal, but I, I just, I just think they should. I think people should have a legal resource recourse when, when they're injured like that. Okay, so Congressman Massey, if I can, yeah, there it is. So Congressman Massey responds thusly. You know, Biden has used fear. He's, they've amended the PrEP Act for COVID 12 times now, and they need to end it. Uh, Biden has declared the pandemic is over, so we need to take away all of the powers that he's claimed to himself. We don't live in a dictatorship. We live in a republic. Yeah, well, that's what we're supposed to be in, is a republic instead of a dictatorship. That's certainly what we're supposed to be in. But they don't act like it, do they? Dr. Peter McCullough testifying before a committee, State Senator Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, who's now running for governor, or Dr. McCullough, he was uh, he was spitting fire on this one. 
He's an internist, cardiologist, and trained in epidemiology. He has testified in front of the U.S. Senate, as I mentioned, regarding the COVID-19 response. And we're honored to have you here today to present on the four pillars of pandemic response. Doctor, thank you. As we sit here today, my estimates are 95% of Americans who have died of COVID-19 and we're approaching nearly a million of these poor souls and tens of millions of hospitalizations could have been avoided with a comprehensive early treatment approach. So as we sit here today, if the topic of discussion is childhood vaccination, it is clear based on publications of representative data that the risks far outweigh any potential benefits of vaccinating children. And the data are clear. And in the last few weeks now, reports have come in, one from Connecticut with oversight from the pathology from the University of Michigan and from the University of Minnesota on two teenage boys who died on days three and four after the Pfizer vaccine. And the parents were horrified to find the children dead at home. Autopsies were performed and the conclusion was crystal clear. The vaccines caused the death with massive heart inflammation and evidence of superimposed catecholamine injury on the heart. Fatal reports have come in from Choi and from Verma, Choi in Korea, Verma from Washington University in St. Louis. It is clear that a vaccine is being pushed, is being encouraged in mandating that in fact results in death of children. Results in death of children. One death is too many. As I've shared with you, in millions of children receiving the, the vaccine, they don't die of COVID-19 respiratory illness. But in fact, they die of the vaccine. It's my viewpoint as a physician and as a public citizen that all vaccine mandates should immediately be dropped and all current vaccines be pulled from the market and undergo a very intensive review on safety and efficacy and figure out where the vaccine program has gone wrong. Those are my comments. Thank you. Uh, Dr. McCullough is a real guy. A cardiologist, chief of the Division of Nutrition and Preventive Medicine, William Beaumont Hospital, Royal Oak, Michigan. He's, he's a real guy. Um, so a guy like this who's putting it all on the line, and saying these vaccines are killing children. Do you think he's doing that because people are paying him off? Or do you think the doctors and people like Fauci and Francis Collins, who deny all this stuff, are denying it because they're getting paid off? What do you think? Here's more from Dr. McCullough. It's clear now. All the insurance companies are showing anybody who takes a vaccine much higher risk of death over the next year. The, the insurance companies are blowing up with deaths all over, especially in young people. I just hit yesterday. Um, the millennial generation, the mortality is way up. The vaccine accelerates death from other causes. So if someone has cancer, the vaccine accelerates that. If someone has heart disease, one's more likely to have fatal heart attacks and strokes. The blood clotting is undeniable. The vaccines cause blood clotting, which is a, a common cause of final death as a large blood clot travels to the lung or in the brain. Justin Bieber's wife had a blood clot in the brain. All the athletes dying on the field. You can see it all over. The vaccine is incredibly risky. And it is basically, it's achieving its goal. If, if the goal was to reduce the world's population, it's working. If the goal 
was to reduce the world's population. It's working. Well, what did, uh, what did Bill Gates say? What was uh, Bill Gates' goal? What was he saying you, you got to be required to do? But you don't have a choice. People act like you have a choice. People don't feel like going to the stadium uh, when they might get infected. You know, it, it's not the government who's saying, okay, just ignore this disease. And, you know, people are deeply affected by seeing these deaths, by knowing they could be part of the transmission chain and you know, old people, uh, their parents, their grandparents could be affected by this. And so you don't, you know, you don't get to say, uh, ignore uh, what's going on here. There, are, there will be the ability, particularly in rich countries, to open up if things are done well over the next few months. But for the world at large, Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. And, and so. Oh, I see. So. Uh, who died and left you queen? Huh? Bill Gates? Yeah, talking to you, pal. Who died and left you queen? Bill Gates. Well, you don't have a choice. You got to get the vax. Uh, how about no? Senator Ron Johnson the other day, he had the guys from the big tech companies in front of him and he slammed them for censoring the truth about the vaccines, claiming it was misinformation. So obviously this was just, this was published and they were publishing other similar information during that time period when President Biden lied to the American public that this was a pandemic of the unvaxxed, and if you got vaccinated, you're not going to get, you're not going to go to the hospital, you're not going to be in ICU unit, and you're not going to die. Well, 63.5% of the people fully vaccinated were dying in England at the exact same time. Why didn't you pull this? Have you ever labeled the President of the United States' comment as, a, as misinformation? Have you ever done that? any of you I'll take that as a no so again I, I just wonder who are the authorities who do you think you are to censor information from eminently qualified doctors who had the courage and compassion to treat COVID patients when the NIH guideline was basically if you get if you test positive for COVID COVID go home be afraid isolate yourself don't do anything until you're so sick We'll send you to the hospital. We'll give you remdesivir, where we have 1,600 deaths so far. We'll put you on a vent and we'll watch you die. You guys bear a fair amount of responsibility for hundreds of thousands of people not being treated, and I would say probably dying that didn't have to die. Hope you're proud of yourselves. Um, I, I don't know how to explain this any other way, but I'm not here to uh, sugarcoat anything. I'm just not here to sugarcoat anything. You know, I hope to be back on the radio someday, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'd fit in anymore. I sure wouldn't, um, for the company that, that fired me for not getting the vax. So I'm never going back. I'm never going back under, 
some sort of organization that says, oh, no, wait a minute, you can't, you, you can't say that. Oh, you can't talk about that. Hold on, Doc. Whoa, wait a minute. Too much money's at stake. We don't care if people die. No, of course they didn't say we don't care if people die. But the point was they were so all in for the propaganda that they couldn't see what was right in front of their faces. Now, coming up, we have something that shocked me. We have the first commercial about myocarditis addressed at elementary school aged children. Can you believe that? I'm not making it up. I'll bet you haven't heard it anywhere else. But that's why I do show prep around the clock, 24-7. The first medical commercial about myocarditis aimed at elementary school aged children. That is coming up on the Doc Washburn Show. First of all, thank you so much to our advertisers, our friends for making it possible for us to do what we do. We can't thank you guys enough. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized 
financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Thank you again to our advertisers, our friends, Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones Financial Advisors. And Mitch Ward, proprietor of RedRiverYourWay.com. We really appreciate you guys for being our advertisers, for being our friends, and for making it possible for us to do what we do here. Okay, coming up, it's Audio Overload on Soundbite Tuesday. We've got Dementia Joe's disastrous interview on 60 Minutes. More on that. The latest on President Trump's legal fight with the feds over the Mar-a-Lago raid and the first ever, the first ever commercial aimed at elementary school children with myocarditis. That is all coming up right here on the Doc Washburn Show. Okay, so this was really remarkable to me. Jake Tapper, of all people on CNN, talking to Sanjay Gupta, their medical supposed expert, and Jake Tapper saying, you know, actually it's hurtful to make preschoolers wear masks. This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. There's a vaccine there. If you want to require the vaccine, require the vaccine. But the masking is damaging psychologically, emotionally, and educationally for these kids. Hey, two and a half years late. Welcome to the party, Jake. How about that? Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay Gupta responds. If you look at the community level there, you'll see there's different areas that are high versus medium versus low. Philadelphia is actually medium, so they shouldn't have uh, indoor masking requirements. There is a federal requirement, though, for Head Start programs specifically. Children in the, that age range, three, four, five-year-olds, Head Start programs specifically, they, that they are continuing to wear masks. That's a federal requirement. Regardless of the fact that the dementia patient who sometimes shows up in the Oval Office, says that the pandemic is over. It is a federal requirement for preschoolers, three- and four-year-olds, to wear masks, and they can't learn how to speak. They can't learn how to speak English. They can't, they can't get the visual cues from adults from each other. And it's intentional. It is intentional. Okay, here is audio of Biden Education Secretary Miguel Cardona, unmasked, speaking to a gym full of small children with masks on. The things that make me different. 
can't even understand the the, the the audio on that is awful they don't have a good sound system in that gym obviously um so coming up in just a moment i want to play you the commercial that is aimed at children elementary school aged children with myocarditis. But first, and this is heartbreaking, former pediatric nurse at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego, her name is Tawny Butner. And uh, she is heartsick over the fact that the vax is killing children and she was fired for refusing to get vaccinated herself. Tony Bittner, I came before you. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. She's giving testimony here at the San Diego County Commission. And so she's going to call a guy out by name, Nathan Fletcher, who is the chairman of the San Diego County's Board of Supervisors. So you'll know what's going on here. You'll know who she's talking about. Tony Bittner, I came before you guys a year ago. I'm a nurse, or at least I was, at Rady Children's in the cardiovascular intensive care unit until Nathan and his misinformation pandemic caused me to lose my job. I took care of those children who came in with myocarditis after the vaccine. And I talked to the doctors because I was a charge nurse saying, why aren't we reporting these to VAERS? Who is going to report these to VAERS? Okay, VAERS, V as in victory, A-E-R-S, Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, which unfortunately is voluntary. She's like, you know, we got all these kids coming in with myocarditis after the vaccine. Who's going to report it to VAERS? It was an unspoken thing that we were not allowed to talk about openly on the unit. I've worked for 13 years in this community, taking care of some of the sickest patients. The day before I was taken away from my position, I was actively giving compressions to a child, pushing Abby, pushing calcium into his veins to keep him alive. And we did. And he went home. And yet, I was ridiculed by those who are supposed to be my colleagues and my friends. I am the face of your misinformation campaign, Nathan. I am the one who lost my career in pediatric cardiovascular ICU care. I took care of children who had COVID. 
ever got COVID in the hospital. I tested twice a week. I wore my PPE because I loved my job. And I loved this community. Thank you. Um, have you ever met someone who believes that man is perfectible? Someone who doesn't believe that we're all sinners and that we're all capable of, of doing horrible things. Someone who believes that uh, we're evolving to become better and better and better. Okay? Morally better and better. Just, just evolving into becoming morally better people. And the kinds of awful things that were done in the past, like the kinds of experiments Dr. Mengele did, or the frontal lobotomies, like uh, Joe Kennedy had done on his daughter, uh, President Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy and Teddy Kennedy's sister. That would just be unthinkable today, because today we're so enlightened. And that was then and this is now. Have you ever talked to somebody like that? Somebody who doesn't believe that human nature is what it is and that we're all susceptible to the possibility, you know, of doing awful things. Um, you know, it's written, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, right? And sometimes it's not money that's the motivation, but just the, uh, the lust for power, to have power over other people. You know, might be one, might be the other, might be both. But there's some people who believe, oh, well, in the bad old days, it was bad, but people are getting better and better, evolving. And then, if you're somebody like that, what what do you, what do you do with what I just played? I don't hate to burst your bubble if you believe that men and women are inexorably evolving into being better moral beings just through the process of evolution. And they wouldn't do the things that happened in the bad old days. What do you do with something like what I just play for you? I mean, doesn't that disprove this idea? Just thought I'd throw that out there. It occurred to me. Now we have um, we have the first commercial aimed at elementary school aged children with myocarditis. You know, um, myocarditis should be so rare 
in children who haven't even hit puberty yet, that would be statistically insignificant. It should just be unheard of. But you just heard from the nurse at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego saying they came in all the time. After they got the vax, these little kids would get the myocarditis and she'd have to try to help save their lives. until she was taken away from her job because she wouldn't get the clot shot. And yeah, that's what I call it, the clot shot. So now there's a, a commercial out there, 30-second commercial. I don't know if it was running on television. I'm sure they got the money to run on television, but it's, it's definitely on YouTube. From New York Presbyterian Hospital. You're not going to believe this. I've been into fashion since I can remember. But one day, I had a stomach ache so bad, I didn't want to do anything. The team at New York Presbyterian said it was actually my heart. It was severely swollen. Something called myocarditis. But doctors gave me medicines and used machines to control my heartbeat. They saved me. So now I can become the next great fashion designer. And at the end of it, over the music on the outro, it says, New York Presbyterian, stay amazing. Now, whenever these things happen, whenever uh, 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 a healthy, relatively young person just drops dead, we always read, doctors are mystified, right? Doctors are mystified. Doctors are puzzled as to what caused it. I mean, what do you what do you think when somebody forty eight years old dies of natural causes? It's not natural. It's not. It's not natural. They're lying to us. They're lying to us. They lie to us a lot of different ways, you know. Um, Maisie Hirono is a Democrat United States senator from the state of Hawaii who just the other day called for violence against pro-lifers. You, you didn't hear about this, did you? Here it is. This is an outright attack on women in this country. That is how I see it. That is how more and more women and those who support our right to make decisions about our own bodies. That is how we see it. And why? Because that's what's happening. Madam President, I yield the floor, but clearly, you know, this is a um, literally call to arms in our country. Yield the floor. Literally a call to arms. She's calling for violence. And you know what? It hasn't been too many years since a Bernie Sanders supporter um, shot 
at a lot of Republican members of Congress who were practicing at a baseball field in Northern Virginia almost killed Steve Scalise. Why did he do that? Why did James T. Hodgkinson do that? Because he believed that what Republicans were doing was so horrible that they were killing people, and so he felt like it was a call to arms. Maisie Hirono knows. She knows what how incendiary her words are. And she doesn't care. And Biden's DOJ sure doesn't care. They couldn't care less. They could not care less. Kamala Harris. Recently promoted abortion in front of a uh, convention of uh, black pastors from the National Baptist Convention. The National Baptist Convention primarily African-American Baptist denomination in the United States, headquartered in Nashville, claims to be a Christian denomination. I said claims to be a Christian denomination, but if they are a Christian denomination, then why would they applaud this woman for promoting the slaughter of innocent black babies. Kind of makes you wonder if any of them have ever paid for an abortion. You know? Let me just say something. Um, Abortion is white supremacy. Yeah, yeah. Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood, she was all about trying to reduce black birth rates any way she could because she was a racist. Hillary Clinton said Margaret Sanger was her hero. Still says it. Abortion is patriarchy. See, A lot of guys, whether they're single or whether they're running around on their wife and she doesn't know they're having an affair with somebody, they much rather pay for the abortion than pay for 18 years of child support. And a lot of women haven't figured that out yet. But it's true. You better know it's true. So here's Kamala Harris talking to a group of men who call themselves pastors of something called the National Baptist Convention. As extremists work to take away the freedom of women to make decisions about their own bodies, faith leaders are taking a stand, knowing one does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held religious beliefs to agree 
that a woman should have the ability to make decisions about her own body and not have her government tell her what to do. Again, I hear this applause from men who call themselves pastors. I just wonder how many of them have paid for abortions. Why else would they be applauding? They know it's wrong to murder. And she will choose in consultation with her pastor or her priest or her doctor and her loved ones. But the government should not be making that decision. In this moment, let us heed the words of 1 Corinthians. Oh, man. You're going to drag God into this? Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything in love. Really? Really? Now... How about let's look at the context of that. You're going to drag God into it, man. See, the the devil knows the Bible. The, The devil twists scripture. He did it when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Right? So, you can't just take one little passage, one little line, and ignore the whole rest of the Bible. Ten Commandments, you shall do no murder. Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. In the Gospels, we see Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth, her first cousin, to tell her that she is pregnant with Jesus, with Yeshua. And the Bible says that the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, leapt for joy. The baby in the womb. But Kamala Harris stand up there lying, saying, pretending the baby doesn't have a body, it's just a woman's body. And all those men who clearly believe that they want men to continue getting over on women and treating them as sex objects and then just paying off to have the children killed, clapping like trained seals. What was a, oh yeah, the old song, Papa was rolling in stone. Dealing in dirt and stealing in the name of the Lord. Mama just hung her head and said, son, that ain't right. I remember that. Everything reminds me of a song. You know, I was a 
music DJ for 20 years before I ever got into talk radio, and everything reminds me of a song. Pop was a jack-of-all-trades, a storefront, storefront preacher. Had another uh, family across town. Uh-huh. How about them apples? I guess it's still going on, human nature being what it is. Human nature being what it is. It's horrible. It's horrible. So, um, Mike Davis sent me something. Mike Pompeo put his foot in it. Mike Pompeo really goofed up about the Mar-a-Lago raid. And we, we'll get that. We'll get that in a few. Because I, I sent what Mike Pompeo said to my friend Mike Davis, who used to be a law clerk for uh, Justice Gorsuch, and he was also chief counsel for the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee for nominations for federal court nominations when Grassley was uh, chairman. And, uh, yeah, he snapped back hard on Pompeo, and Pompeo deserves it. Oh, no, 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 no. Pompeo actually... Had a law degree, and he got it that bad. No, I'll go. Uh, I'll get it in a minute. I I got a couple other things I got to get to. I got to get to, but I, I'll get it. I'll get it in a minute. But I got a couple other things I got to get to. The great Christopher F. Rufo, the guy who first let us know about. Uh, critical race theory and has done such such a labor of love, such a yeoman's work, also exposing the transgender madness. He has a thread over there on Twitter, new, the Michigan Department of Education instructed public school teachers how to facilitate child sexual transitions and recommended that teachers keep a child's chosen name and pronouns a secret from his or her parents, even if the child is suicidal and it is all on video. The training program follows the basic narrative of radical gender theory, the presenters claim the West has created a false notion that gender is binary in order to oppress racial and sexual minorities. In response, teachers are told that they should work to dismantle 
systems of oppression. All right? So the first clip we have there in the Michigan Department of Education is a trainer, Amori Robinson, who says that she is a black, masculine-identified, cisgendered lesbian and uses the African name Kofi Adoma, says that gender is an infinite spectrum, includes identities such as gender fluid, gender queer, butch, stud, and questioning. And they're paying her now, Michigan Department of Education, they're paying her to indoctrinate little children. Here she is. You know, and there's some terminology related to that uh, as well. Left of femme, being a femme, being a butch, being masculine presenting, being queer, being a stud, gender normative, gender fluid, gender neutral, and gender non-binary. There's a lot of terminology out there uh, for us to learn. And then lastly, at least for today anyway, is sexual orientation. I'm sure that's a term you, you may have heard, heard of before, or you call it attractionality. It's a person's experience of their emotional, romantic, and or sexual attraction to others. So where you see the heart and the chest, you know, we feel that attraction, and you hear it, feel the heart pumping, and you got a crush on somebody, and you want to get to know them. That's that attraction, that feeling. And we, you know, you can even, you know, a lot of children, or if you go back to your own childhood, you might remember having crushes when you were little. So that attractional or sexual orientation. So there, there's some, some corresponding terms that you may have heard, like pansexual. And I've come to believe that that is uh, someone who is attracted to people, regardless of their sex assigned at birth, regardless of the gender identity, regardless of the gender expression, and on and on. Um, asexual, lesbian, straight, gay, bisexual, queer, questioning, demisexual, demiromantic, aromantic, and scoliosexual. I'll leave that to you to go to Google on those because <laughs> we ain't got time today. <laughs> okay, groomer. Okay, groomer. That's what they are. You see what's at stake here, right? Chris Rufo says next, Michigan Department of Education employee Kim Phillips Nope shares a series of TikTok videos featuring minors and young adults exploring their sexual identity. One person identifies as agender and uses she, her, they, them, he, him pronouns. All of them. She, her, they, them, he, him. So first we have this uh, Kim Phillips Nope, K-N-O-P-E, at Michigan Department of Education introducing one of the young people on the TikTok video. Um, so the first set here are uh, folks who identify, uh, these are all about gender identity. 
Um, and then um, the next slide is going to be about gender expression. So trying to sort of differentiate between these two concepts. Um, yeah. So here are um, here are the voices of some some folks talking about gender identity. Now, the thing you're getting ready to hear is heartbreaking because it is a confused teenage girl who is terrified of not fitting in. She is terrified of not being accepted, and you can hear it in her voice. Hi, guys. So I've been getting a lot of questions about my pronouns recently, which makes sense because I'm a very androgynous person. But last night at about 2 a.m., I put in my bio that I identify as agender, which is different than non-binary because non-binary is like neither gender, right? Agender is like the gray area between genders. It's neutral. And I feel that way because I don't like being associated or conforming to the stereotypes of either gender. Um, so really, any pronouns work, she, her, they, them, he, him, just whatever y'all feel like at the moment. It's all good. Thank you. Nervous laughter right there at the end. Whatever y'all feel like calling me. In her voice, you hear her pleading, please be kind to me. This is not her saying, look, here's the deal. This is her saying, please, please accept me. Please be kind to me. Very confused. Very confused. But not as needy and confused as the next person. Chris Rufo says in another video, the Michigan Department of Education promotes a young individual still in school who is struggling with gender issues and has started using breast binders and they, them pronouns. And she says, I've never been happier with how my body looks. She's trying to hide who she is. And emotionally, she sounds even more out there on the edge than the last one did. I mean, a lot more. Very, very fragile. Hi, my name is Elise. Um, I've used she, her pronouns all my life, um, but recently and for a while I've been struggling with gender issues as well as a whole lot of other identity things. So I finally gave in and ordered a binder for myself and it just came in today. She finally gave in. To whom? She finally gave in and ordered a binder for herself. Who did she give in to? Who's influencing her? Somebody is. Somebody is. And she doesn't feel strong enough to push back. And I have never been happier with how my body looks since I was a kid. She's still a kid. I cry for help. Please accept me. Please be kind to me. Please leave me alone. Um, so if you guys wouldn't mind using they, them pronouns. If you guys wouldn't mind using they, them pronouns, please. I'm begging you, please be nice to me. This is heartbreaking. 
to refer to me in the comments. That would be really, really cool. I'm just trying to see if they make me more comfortable than she, her pronouns. I'm trying to see if they make me more comfortable than she, her pronouns. It's a spiritual issue is, is what we're dealing with here. I mean, I, I, ho I hope that you realize that. And the people who are pushing this on them should be in prison. The people who are pushing this on them should be in prison. This is child abuse. Maximum, major child abuse. I mean, there's, there's no way around it. Okay, Chris Rufo continues. When a teacher asks how to respond to a student who claims to have she, he, they, them pronouns, the trainer responds adamantly, go with what the kid says. They're the best experts on their lives. They're the best experts on their own identities and their own bodies. Okay, yeah, let's just pretend like these kids are able to make adult decisions. Let's pretend they're not impressionable. There's a lot of money wrapped up in this and a lot of abuse. Um, so I had a little girl who was born a girl um, in with me the other day, and then she shared some information and she wanted to um, go by a different name. And then when she shared her pronouns, I was just confused because she said um, she, he, they, and them. She, he, they, and them. It's because she's also confused, dear. And I was kind of like, I didn't know. I just was confused, and I, I wanted to understand it a little bit better. Because um, I was thinking, well, wouldn't it be like just they and them? Or, um, and then I, I just went, which I was like, okay, honey. But I just kind of, I was just confused. Maybe you could just share a little bit about that. or Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Yeah, Kofi. kid says. Go with what the kid says. They, they're the best. They're the best experts on their lives. They're the best experts on their own identities and their own bodies. Yeah, and just and just go with it. Um, you may have to sit with some discomfort sometimes, and that's that's okay. Just go with it. You may have to sit with some discomfort, and that's okay. In other words, ignore your brain which is telling you this is wrong. Ignore the fact that it's illogical, that it's unreasonable, that it's abuse. Just go with it. Chris Rufo says, finally, the Michigan Department of Education instructs teachers how to facilitate child sexual transitions and recommends that they keep a child's chosen name and pronouns a secret from parents, even if the child is suicidal. How is liability affected if a student dies by suicide and parents did not know the student's chosen name or pronouns were being used at school? You know, if you have a kid who's like, you know, if you're sort of into that area of like, you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else, and you have a duty to report. I mean, the law is really clear about yeah. that. You can also talk to parents though, without out about like that your kid is having suicidal thoughts without outing them, without saying why. 
um, you can say we have some concerns. Your 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 child has shared this. Um, I would a thousand percent recommend uh, working with the student to let them guide that process. Um, talk about undermining parental authority. Again, I go back to what I said before. Okay, groomer, because that's what they're doing. That is absolutely, positively what they're doing. And you wonder why parents are pulling their children out of public schools? You ever heard of a congressman named Hank Johnson, liberal Democrat from the Atlanta, Georgia area, who some years back expressed a concern when he had an admiral under oath. He was concerned that we might put too many service members on the island of Guam and it might tip over. And he was serious. The same Hank Johnson keeps on getting voted back in. And now he's calling parents show up at school board meetings to complain terrorists. January 6, 2021 will never be forgotten. An infamous day in American history. MAGA Republicans descended upon the Capitol, engaged in an insurrection. You know, you wonder sometimes if he just believes the propaganda or he knows he's lying. Uh, they occupied the Capitol. Five people were killed. He's lying. Four people were killed, and they're all Trump supporters. Hundreds injured, including hundreds of Capitol Hill police officers. He's lying. Attacked and bludgeoned. Um, Who started it? Uh, it was uh, a day that we'll never forget. And people on the local level uh, at affected school board meetings, they won't forget the MAGA uh, Republicans descending on their school board meetings uh, after January 6th, like January 6th. There's been no violence at school board meetings. That's enough. That's enough of this idiot. He deserves no respect at all. Hey, Hank, is uh, you still concerned Guam's going to tip over? Huh? You still concerned Guam's going to tip over? He doesn't care what happens to the children. Doesn't care. Outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Okay. Um, Joe Biden himself endorses the mutilation of the children. Oh, yeah. There he is. We're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom, on the playing field, at work, in our military, in our housing and healthcare systems, everywhere, simply everywhere. Today, we're announcing even more steps, but there's always more work to do to end the epidemic of violence against transgender women of color and girls of color. To ensure transgender seniors can age with dignity, dignity to parents of transgender children, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. 
What a maroon. What a knucklehead. Look, I just want to mention how much we appreciate our advertisers. They are our friends, and they make it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show five times a week. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thank you again to my friends, my doctors, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree at TurnMyPowerOn.com. They are our friends and our doctors, and they've helped me and my wife and so many people that we know so much. And we really, really appreciate them advertising on the program and making it possible for us to do what we do here each day. Can't thank you enough. Okay, um, I, I, I want to get to... Mike Adams basically calling out Mike Pompeo. Now, let me, uh, let me give you a little bit of context on this. So, Mike Pompeo, who lost a lot of weight, looking a lot better than he used to, at a private dinner hosted by Rabbi Rabbi Katz and the IHF Heritage, apparently a, a, a Jewish group, Israel Heritage Foundation. Okay, great. So Mike Pompeo is speaking at Israel Heritage Foundation dinner in New York. He was the honorary guest. One of the guests asked, what is President Trump up to? And Pompeo answered, no one gets to keep classified information outside of a place of classified information. So let's hear what he says, and I'll give you what Mike uh, Davis is saying. What about Trump? 
I'll leave about it. So the question is, what's President Trump off to? Uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's down in Mar-a-Lago watching the FBI raid his home. I mean, what, what happened there is outrageous. Uh, the, uh, no, no one gets to keep classified information outside of the place classified information should be. That is certainly true. The Secretary of State, the former Secretary of State doesn't get to keep it. No one does. But for the Department of Justice to behave the way they did, by raiding the home of a former president is absolutely outrageous. And it is politicizing the Department of Justice that I fear is headed in a way that is not consistent with the understandings that we all have of the rule of law. Okay, so he's trying to split the baby. He's saying what DOJ did by raiding Mar-a-Lago is outrageous and sets a bad precedent, but no one gets to keep classified information outside of a place of classified information. So in the interest of full disclosure, I, I don't know if Mike Davis had seen this or not, but I sent it to him, and he responded, legal check, false. Records received by the president and White House aides fall under the Presidential Records Act, including classified records. Presidents have the sole power to decide what are personal or presidential records. Former presidents have unfettered access to their records. So Mike Pompeo, with a law degree from Harvard Law, is wrong. And God bless Mike Davis for continuing to stand strong on this. Okay? All right. Um, MSNBC slams the White House on inflation. MSNBC, really? Did you read that? Have you heard about this anywhere else? Good morning. A tough day to have the big Inflation Reduction Act event, as they did at the White House, with this number that came out yesterday. Housing, food, all kinds of uh, sectors seeing inflation. Gas prices are down, which was some good news over the last couple of months, but a tough number yesterday. A tough number yesterday. It's interesting because they knew the number was coming yesterday, and yet they scheduled the event. You know why? Because they don't care. And I'll get into uh, Biden in the 60 Minutes interview here in, in a little bit, but they don't care. CBS admitting that the Inflation Reduction Act doesn't reduce inflation. Government figures show groceries climbing more than 13% on average, electricity spiking nearly 16%, and rent up nearly 7% over the last year. <laughs> Those high prices, plus the likelihood the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates again, sent the markets tumbling. Just as the president and Democrats were celebrating passage of their Inflation Reduction Act. A single most important legislation passed in the Congress to combat inflation and one of the most significant laws in our nation's history, in my view. The new law provides funding to fight climate change, ease health care costs, and hike taxes on big corporations. But it does nothing to address short-term price hikes. Nothing at all. It's amazing that CBS admits it. Now, of course, in his 60 Minutes interview a few days later, uh, Biden is going to defend his record on inflation. No question about it. Here we go. Inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. 
inflation rate month to month was just um, uh, uh, just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it's good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not. Maybe I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2 percent. It's been the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what? We are. We're in a position where, for the last several months, it hasn't spiked. It is just barely. It's been basically even. He doesn't care. Look, you can say dementia all you want, but he's always been evil. He doesn't care how it affects people like this single mom in Nevada who had to sell her car to be able to buy groceries for her two kids. Kiara H. lives with her two children in Henderson, Nevada, packing lunches increasingly packs a punch to her family budget. Lunchables, they used to be like a dollar and some change. Now they're almost $3. With no relief in sight, something big had to give. I sold my car and I had to budget off to add that to the grocery budget. American households now spending on average $460 more per month for the same basket of goods and services compared with a year ago. The latest numbers show overall groceries are up 13.5% year over year, the highest rise since 1979. But economists say it can feel even worse. It turns out that a lot of the, the stuff that we buy on a regular basis has been some of the stuff that's been going up fastest in price. You know, things like eggs, for example. It's just crazy to think about how much a dozen eggs have gone up. Egg prices, that's nearly 40%. Bread is, oh my goodness, bread is almost $4. Milk is 6 7 $8. And Joe Biden says, ain't nobody got time for that. Joe Biden don't want to hear it. He does not want to hear it. Now, it all started with Biden on day one, January 20th, 2021, shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline. Larry Summers, former head of the Economic Council for Obama, thinks this is odd. It's kind of insane that we have trucks and trains carrying oil all over this country rather than constructing pipelines, which would permit accessing more resources, cheaper, safer transmission. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? It's kind of nuts, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we got uh, we got more Biden, though. Because he really put his foot in it. His, uh, his interview. 60 Minutes. How about this one? What should Chinese President Xi know about your commitment to Taiwan? We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago. And that there's a one-China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving, we're not encouraging their being independent. We're not to let, that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House official told us U.S. policy has not changed. 
Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan, but the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. Yes. Almost immediately, the White House reiterated the fact that we would not do that. So who's actually in charge? Because it clearly is not Dementia Joe. Dementia Joe is saying, yes, I would go to war with China over Taiwan. I would send American service members to fight and die with China over Taiwan. And almost immediately, when the 60 Minutes interview comes out, the White House is like, nope, our policy has not changed. We would not do that. Okay, so who's in charge then if if it's not Biden? Huh? Well, Scott Pelley, CBS, asked him about his uh, mental focus. You are the oldest president ever. Pretty good shape, huh? Which leads to my next question. He's not going to answer that question. No, you're not in pretty good shape, pal. You're, you're gone. You are more aware of this than anyone. Some He's not aware of anything. People ask whether you are fit for the job. I don't know if he's aware of that or not. And when you hear that, I wonder what you think. I don't know if he hears that. This might be the first time he's heard it. Watch me. I mean, honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. We do, and that's why we say that. If you think I don't have the energy level or the mental acuity, then, then you know, that's one thing. It's another thing of just watching and, and, you know, keep my schedule and do what I'm doing. I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, I don't, when I sit down with our NATO allies and keep them together, I don't have them saying, no, wait a minute, well, how, how old are you? What are you, what did you say? You know, I mean, it's a matter of, you know, that old expression, the proof of the puddings in the eating. I mean, I, I respect the fact that people would say, you know, you're old. And, but I think it relates to how much energy you have and whether or not the job you're doing is one consistent with what any person of any age would be able to do. How would you say your mental focus is? Oh, it's focused. <laughs> I, say it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look, I have trouble even mentioning, even saying to myself my own head the number of years. I no more think of myself as being as old as I am than fly. I mean, it's just not, uh, uh, I haven't observed anything in terms of, there's not things I don't do now that I did before, whether it's physical or mental or anything else. A fly? What does that mean? He's, 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 he's just... He's grasping at straws. Okay. Okay, you say, watch me? Okay, all right. We'll give some examples for why we think your mental acuity is gone. And every time you hear silence for a couple of seconds, that's him looking for something to say and coming up with nothing. Watch me. If you think I don't have the energy level of mental acuity... The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, from from uh, uh, Char, excuse me, from Charlotte, one another line going from in Florida down to Tampa of oh, Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, yeah, 
America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him uh, foot. The idea that um, Los Angeles and uh, and uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? For two reasons. One, to we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is. Uh, um, let me say another way. But the nature. Not a solid meeting with um, with uh, the. Uh, they make a very good point. Here's the deal. Here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what you can do: the drivers. The. Um yeah, we watched them. All right. We sure enough did watch him. And he was just like, he's a gone gator, man. He's out there. Now, I told you I was going to um, catch you up on what's going on with situation with Trump and Mar-a-Lago. So let me try to do that right now. The great Margot Cleveland over at thefederalist.com article entitled Few Trust the DOJ, which is why court should reject its request to freeze special master. Subtitle is the outcome will be the only way to regain the trust of the American people. Here she goes. The race is on between the Biden administration, which on Friday filed a motion to stay the special master's review of some 100 documents the FBI seized from Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, the special master, who could begin reviewing those documents as early as this week. Over the weekend, the 11th Circuit accelerated the contest by ordering Trump's legal team to respond to the DOJ's motion to stay by Tuesday at noon, even as the special master already called a conference with the lawyers for that same afternoon to discuss the review process. For the sake of the country, the 11th Circuit should deny the DOJ's request and allow the special master to proceed with the review. Much has happened since Thursday when federal judge Eileen Cannon, a Trump appointee, selected Judge Raymond J. Deary to serve as special master to review the material seized by the FBI during an August 8, 2022 raid of Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. Judge, De- Judge Deary, a Reagan appointee and semi-retired senior judge for the Eastern District of New York, had previously served for seven years on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, court. In fact, in that position, Deary signed the FISA court's fourth faulty Carter Page surveillance order. Nonetheless, President Trump recommended Judge Deary to serve as a special master to review the seized materials. With the government not objecting to his selection, Judge Cannon made his appointment official on Thursday. Judge Cannon's order appointing Judge Deary also delineated 
his responsibilities as special master and the general process. Among other things, Judge Cannon directed Deary to review all of the materials seized during the Mar-a-Lago raid and to verify that the property listed in the detailed property inventory represents the full and accurate extent of the property seized. The order further directed the special master to review the documents for privilege, including for formal assertions of executive privilege. Most helpful for Trump and the half of Americans who no longer trust the DOJ and FBI was Judge Cannon's order to the Biden administration that it make any documents with classification markings available for inspection by plaintiff's counsel with controlled access conditions, including necessary clearance requirements, and under the supervision of the special master. The government must also provide copies of all other documents to Trump's lawyers, and for non-documentary items, the DOJ must make them available to Trump's attorneys for inspection. Judge Cleveland says, as I explained last week, Judge Cannon further directed Trump's lawyers to provide their position on which of four categories each item seized falls into. Number one, personal items and documents not claimed to be privileged. Number two, personal documents claimed to be privileged. Number three, presidential records claimed to be privileged. And number four, presidential records not claimed to be privileged. If the DOJ and Trump disagree on the appropriate classification, the special master will make recommendations to Judge Cannon, who will then decide the issue. Judge Cannon's order also directed the special master and the parties to prioritize for review the 100-some documents the government maintains were marked classified with the entirety of the review then to be completed by November 30, 2022. The same day she named Deary special master and specified his responsibilities, Judge Cannon denied the Biden administration's request that the court stay or put on hold the order directing the government to provide the special counsel access to the approximately 100 documents supposedly marked classified pending the government's appeal to the 11th Circuit. The DOJ also asked the court to allow the government to use those 100-some documents for criminal investigative purposes, something Judge Cannon had ruled the government could not do until the special master completed his review. Judge Cannon rejected that request as well. In denying the government's request for a stay, Judge Cannon explained that the DOJ effectively asked her to accept at face value the government's representations that all of the approximately 100 documents isolated by the government and papers physically attached to them are classified government records. The court was unwilling to accept the government's representation without further review by a neutral third party in an expedited and orderly fashion. Judge Cannon added that she was not persuaded that the government will suffer an irreparable injury without the requested stay. Here the court noted that while the DOJ framed its request as necessitated by urgent national security needs, the government has not identified any emergency or any likely imminent disclosure of classified information arising from plaintiffs' allegedly unlawful retention of the seized property. On the contrary, the only disclosures seen to date, Judge Cannon stressed, were the government's leaks to the media. Aha! And in any event, because she directed the special master 
to prioritize the review of the approximately 100 documents supposedly marked classified, Judge Cannon rejected the claim of irreparable injury. The day Judge Cannon appointed Judge Deary as special master, Deary entered his first order, setting a preliminary conference between the parties for Tuesday, September 20th at 2 p.m., with Trump and the DOJ directed to submit proposed agenda items for discussion by docketed letter by close of business on Monday, September 19th, 2022. Friday also saw the Biden administration file a motion to stay in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. That motion requests the appellate court put on hold Cannon's order that the government provide Deary access to the 100 documents it maintains bare classification markings and that the government not use those documents in its criminal investigation until the special master completes his review. The Biden administration's motion to stay filed with the 11th Circuit was weak, opening with hyperbole that would fail appellate advocacy 101. The district court barred the government from further review or use of any seized materials for criminal investigative purposes pending a special master process that will last for months, the DOJ's brief opened. But while the entire process will last a little over two months, Judge Cannon, to account for the government's claimed concerns, directed the special master and the parties to address the 100 documents the government maintains were marked classified first. The court's order also allows for interim reports, meaning that that portion of the review could be done within a week or two. The Biden administration's false framing of the delay as several months lessens the strength of its argument. The DOJ lawyers also set themselves up for an especially damaging counter by Trump's legal team, given the speed with which the special master is working, and should Trump's attorneys submit to the special master a detailed agenda item on Monday that proposes an immediate review of those documents, the DOJ will be hard-pressed to argue that a brief delay will harm national security. The government's argument of urgency also proves unconvincing, first because, as noted above, the special master is moving quickly, but second, the DOJ's argument that the criminal investigation is itself essential to the government's effort to identify and mitigate potential national security risks rings hollow. However, even accepting the Biden administration's claim that national security demands its criminal investigation continue unabated, that rationale does not support the DOJ's second request that the government be allowed to withhold the 100 documents purportedly marked classified from the special master's review. I bet that's that uh, Russiagate stuff, right? Crossfire hurricane? In making this argument, the DOJ repeats many of the arguments made to and rejected by Judge Cannon, and it does so without addressing the trial court's reasoning. Most significantly, the Biden administration repeats its argument that all of the rationales for appointing a special master are categorically inapplicable to the records bearing classification markings. The DOJ's brief then asserts the markings established on the face of the document that they are not plaintiff's personal property. This argument, however, ignores Judge Cannon's counter that she is unwilling to adopt the government's premise that all the approximately 100 documents isolated by the government and papers physically attached to them are classified government records and that plaintiff therefore could not possibly have a possessory 
interest in any of them. Here are two distinct possibilities that the review by the special master could establish or rule out. First, some of those 100 documents may not actually bear classification markings. Second, some or all of the 100 documents may bear classification markings, but clearly and indisputably are no longer classified. For instance, Trump's travel itinerary from his November 2019 Thanksgiving trip to Afghanistan to visit the troops, while highly secret before his surprise journey, no longer constitutes classified information. Alternatively, some or all of the 100 documents marked classified could be copies of documents from the Crossfire Hurricane investigation that Trump publicly declassified. If so, those copies are Trump's personal property. Both these possibilities alone justify review by the special master and neither even reach the question of privilege. The Biden administration ignores these possibilities, however, arguing in its motion to stay that because it has declared the 100-some documents bear classification markings, no further review by the special master is needed. Half the country finds the DOJ and FBI untrustworthy, though, especially when it comes to Trump. Oh, I think more than half, but anyway. Thus, it would be in the public's best interest for the special master to review those documents and address any dispute between Trump and the government concerning the proper category into which the documents fall. Such a review by the special master also will not harm the Biden administration, while the DOJ claims that requiring disclosure of classified records to a special master and to plaintiff's counsel would impose irreparable harm on the government and the public, it fails to show how. If those records were in the possession of the National Archive, Trump could review them personally, and Trump's lawyers and the special master will have the requisite clearance to review the documents. Further, Judge Cannon already notified the parties that she will enter a protective order as necessary to ensure that the information, to the extent it needs to remain secret, does. The Biden administration also has little room to claim concern over keeping the specifics of what is in those documents confidential given the numerous government leaks to media outlets. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals should deny the Biden administration's motion for a stay and allow the special master to review and allow the special master review to proceed. That outcome will be the only way to regain the trust of the American people. That is Margot Cleveland, the Federalist senior legal correspondent, and the article is entitled Few Trust the DOJ, which is why courts should reject its request to freeze special master. And we will certainly have an update on that on the next edition of the Doc Washburn Show. No question about that. All right, now it is once again time for me to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your door anywhere in the continental United States. All right. This is a gentleman I've never heard of before. He goes by Seal Dazeel. And he is walking around Walmart wearing a shirt, a T-shirt that says Jesus is King, and noticing how people respond. I love wearing a shirt in Walmart. 
because people look at you and then they, they cut their eyes away. And I'm just sitting there in my head, guide them, guide them. Because you're going to recognize sooner or later that uh, this is the truth, whether you believe it or not. So seeing people look at the shirt, read it, then cut their eyes away. That's what the shirt is for. Let the culture know whether they like it or not. Christ is king. And um, shout out to Reform Zinger, my boy PJ. This shirt was a great idea. Help King Jesus, your boy Seal to Zill. That post mail. Let go. Amen. What else can you say? You've been listening to episode 242 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof of a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smooth Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the 10th. And that's the way it is. Tuesday, September 20th, 2022.